Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Ann Rodiger, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City. She's the founder and director of the Balance Arts Center in Manhattan, which is a training course for Alexander Technique teachers. She's been an Alexander Technique teacher for over 25 years. She's worked in both academic and private settings. She has an extensive background in dance and movement, yoga, and meditation. And she has recently written a book, which is now available uh, at Amazon and other places, called How to Sit Your Body at Work, A Guide to Sitting at Your Workstation, based on the Alexander Technique. So today we're going to talk about that book and a bit about ergonomics and the Alexander Technique, more generally speaking. And welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Could you begin, in by giving our listeners just a very brief description of the Alexander Technique? Sure. There are actually lots of ways we can talk about the Alexander Technique And one of them is to look at it as an educational process where the student, and we think of people as students because it's really a learning process, where you learn to build an awareness of yourself and the actions that you're doing. So that as you're building your awareness, you can become aware of the habits that you have, and then you can learn ways of thinking to help you move more efficiently and easily Alexander himself was a speaker who lost his voice and discovered that he was actually causing himself his own problem by the way he was using himself or moving. And when he found a better balance for his head and neck, he found that he wasn't actually losing his voice anymore and that he could then communicate that through words and touch to other people. And it turns out that that actually affects the entire system and organism and you can get a much easier, freer, lighter sense of yourself through freeing up your head, neck, and back, and allowing that to support you. Mm-hmm. And um, for people, I mean, a lot of people today spend a lot of time sitting, mm-hmm. uh, particularly at work, but watching TV, eating meals, and you know, driving a car. Uh, I know that your new book is focused um, uh, fairly much on sitting at, at work, um, usually, when that topic comes up, it usually comes up in the framework of traditional uh, ergonomics thinking, which would discuss things like what kind of chair you're sitting in, um, where to place computer terminals and keyboards and that sort of thing. But I'm assuming that that valuable as those things may be, your book is... a emphasizes a little different aspect of it. it, Would that be a fair statement? That's a fair statement. (laughs) It's it's because the, what you're describing are like the hard elements of an ergonomic setup and an ergonomic situation. And the, you know, what the, there's a really large human factor component in the whole ergonomic situation, which is the actual person who's in that environment. Mm-hmm. Although uh, my understanding is, and I may be wrong about this, that when ergo- ergonomists uh, talk about human factors, they're usually thinking of things like temperature and climate and uh, sort of external human factors, not the internal ones that 
Alexander teachers are so interested in? Well, I think that they, if they could expand to include the, the person and how they're moving, that would really help, I think, many people in terms of uh, working more efficiently and easily and actually uh, being a lot more pain-free while they're working. I think people sometimes think that the way they are is like a given and that they can't change themselves, but actually you can change quite a bit the way you're working through your thinking and monitoring what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that um, there, in, in the field of ergonomics, uh, there, there is an understanding that things like um, uh, working within the sort of center of your range of motion is a good thing. They certainly uh, probably would agree that having your head balanced on top of your spine would be a good thing. Um, but it seems to me that they, in general, don't have very good ways of actually or any ways, really, of actually helping a person to achieve those things. Would that be your sense of it, or how do you look at that? that I, I think that's a fair statement also, in that what the Alexander Technique really provides is a, is a method and a way of approaching one's habits and determining what one is doing or what one's habits are, and then giving yourself a way to change those habits through watching what you're doing and giving yourself different directions and, and ways of thinking about what's happening. And it, it it's interesting because the Alexander work can work at a very gross level in terms of, yes, you know, don't sit on your legs, you know, while you're sitting in your chair or mm-hmm. a very, and a very subtle level where you can learn to balance your head in a very refined way on your spine, which then frees up a lot of your, your eye focus and thinking and breathing. Mm-hmm. So from from your experience in working with people who spend a lot of time sitting at work, what are the most common issues that they face that, that you've seen when you've worked with people? Well, I think one of them is back pain. Another mm-hmm. one is repetitive stress injury or carpal tunnel, tunnel syndrome that mm-hmm. people get in their wrists. And some people get headaches. Those are like the three things that I see mm-hmm. the most of. Uh, and, and it really, I think, has to do with how they're actually working. And, and it's interesting because people often think that they don't have time to focus on that. They think, oh, I'm so involved in what I'm doing or I, I, it takes all my focus to work on the documents that I have in front of me and their computer. But it turns out that when they just give themselves even a little bit of attention to what they're doing, things can change kind of quickly. And Mm-hmm. And do you is it your view that people can learn some things even if they don't have access to an Alexander Technique teacher? I think it's much better if you have access to an Alexander Technique teacher, but working with the principles and looking at how you're approaching what you're doing can be helpful in any case. Certainly much faster and easier with a teacher because... Actually, in a lesson, usually you are guided by the voice and the hands as well, so you get an actual experience of, of what you're doing or looking for, and it helps to give you a sense of what your body can gravitate towards. But I think you can actually make some progress through your, through your own thinking. Well, I wonder if I'm thinking in terms of someone listening to this 
who might might or might not have access to an Alexander teacher, but is intrigued by the possibility of functioning a little better when they're sitting, is is there are there a suggestion or two that you could give right now that someone could experiment with? Maybe someone listening to this right now at their computer at work. I think the place to start is really noticing how much you can ease up on the pressure on your body, especially at your head and neck, so that you can allow that whole three-dimensional neck to be easy and then let the head balance on top of your spine with as as much ease and as little force as possible. And then notice from there just to see what's going on with your weight on the chair. Are you really sitting on the chair or are you holding yourself up or are you allowing yourself to find an easiness through your body with your breath as a support on the inside? So just keeping your neck easier, that's going to release your tongue and jaw and let your eyes be easier on the inside. Then letting yourself experience your own body weight on your chair and and then thirdly go for your breathing and see how that's working. Making sure that you get a sense of the air moving most of the time. So let's say I'm I'm sitting at a desk and, and okay, I'm letting my attention go to my head and my neck and I do feel like maybe I'm tightening my neck a little bit. Um what what can I do about that? Give yourself the thought about easing up in your neck all the way around the back of the spine and then all the way around your throat in the front. And then when you do that, you'll notice that you can gently and easily let your head direct up away from your sit bones, away from the chair. And that's going to start to lengthen your body out. It's important not to try to hold yourself still or stiff, but then you'll find, as you work with this, a sense of an upward, easy direction, which again is going to support you in your use of your arms and in your eyes as you look at your work. Now, I think a lot of people, um, they might, for example, notice that they're slumping at (laughs) at some point. And the the natural inclination is going to be to um, sit up straight. And I'm assuming that, like most Alexander teachers, you're not going to hold out too much promise that that's going to help any. Well, this is the interesting thing. You can be really straight and you can be stiff and held there. What we're looking for is a fluid balance and movement of direction and and movement flow throughout the system so you have the pliability that you need to do whatever you would like to do. Certainly, there's an optimal mechanical advantageous balance for your whole system. Um, And you still probably need to do different tasks during your day that are going to take you away from the the erect verticality of your of your spine but if you find yourself slumping the first thing to do is to like not just bolt go bolt upright but to notice that you're perhaps in a c-curve and then start to gently again start with your neck and head and then let your head lead your whole body up to a a sense of verticality Uh, one of the principles we work with in the alexander technique is that the head leads and the body follows. And the eyes lead the head and the head leads the body. So what you're doing and where you're sending your head is going to have a great impact on the rest of your system. Sort of like the fish. The fish is following its its eyes and its nose. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize how much their head weighs. It's, it's a, for most 
for most adults, it's around 10 to 12 pounds, which is a pretty significant part of your total body weight. And there it is perched up at the top of your spine. So how you manage that has huge implications for everything else. So you're saying that would be a good place to begin. Head, That's neck, a great place upper, to begin. upper torso. And, and it, so, yeah, go ahead. And if it's it, an interesting experiment to do for yourself is to take a, take a bag or a heavy book and hold it next to your body, like in front of your chest, and then extend your arms out directly in front of you so that the book or bag is farther in front of you and you'll notice how much heavier it, it is when it's away from your center. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happens with your head. Mm-hmm. If your head is jutted out forward away from your body or it's it's pulled back in, it's not really allowing the body weight to go right through your center. And, and so that's making it difficult and tiring, actually, to hold your head up. Mm-hmm. Now, as a practical matter, uh, someone listening to this may have may run into some problems with really knowing what they're doing up there, right, with their head and their neck. It may, you may feel you're doing one thing, but the reality might be a little different, which is, of course, a very good reason for having Alexander lessons from a teacher. Can you give people any little any words of advice on on that whole issue about, I guess, in the Alexander world, we like to call ac- accuracy of our feelings <laughs> or inaccuracy of our feelings. Well, most of us need a little coaching on on how to start to train ourselves to perceive accurately. Mm-hmm. That usually what we think is uh, one way can be refined to be much more accurate. For instance, if you closed your eyes and you put your arm up straight up toward the ceiling and then you look to see if you're actually going toward the ceiling... Many people are ve- have veered off a little bit, and so the our sense of direction and sense of what's really going going on is sometimes a little what Alexander called debauched or not quite accurate. Right, right. Now the other another area or another aspect of sitting that where I, where I could imagine some uh, someone could do some things on their own would be the whole question of how the, how their body is actually making contact with the with the seat of the chair and in particular are they actually carrying the weight of their body on their sits bones which are little bony projections that come down from their pelvis or whether they're kind of collapsing onto their sacrum or something of that sort and it seems to me that a pretty simple thing a lot of people can do is put their hands under their under their butts and and feel those bones and see if those are the things that are actually contacting the surface they're sitting on. That can be really helpful to do that. And it's important I think then to actually sit on something when you're working that gives you the ability to sense your sit bones on the on the chair or the cushion, a hard cushion. Mm-hmm. And that's that's going to lead actually to a whole rebalancing of the pelvis in a way on the chair and it and some people are going to recognize that they have to allow their hip joints to fold more accurately and more deeply in order to get um upright on top of their their pelvis. Mhm. So it it might be um best to avoid chairs that are very soft on the bottom because while that might seem like a comfortable 
thing to sit on, you don't really have, it doesn't give you any feedback about how you're sitting. You're just kind of sinking into it. There's no, there's no surface from which to get feedback. Right. It, it kind of invites one to slump back. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and, and you, one thing you'll notice if you're slumping back that it's harder to breathe and it's not as easy to think after a while. And so that it, it, you know, the soft chairs sometimes ask, invite you to do that. But if you're able to have a reference point for your sit bones, then it's much easier to sit upright and, and continue doing that. Now, uh, one sort of solution that I've seen uh, in pictures and described occasionally is um, a, a kind of a modification, a kind of a dramatic modification of the chair uh, or your sitting surface to be, for example, an exercise ball or um, or a chair with a rounded top that sort of forces you to be conscious of your balance. Uh, and then there are other variants. There's something called the balance chair where you're kneeling. Uh, what do you, what, what's your general take on those variants of the traditional chair? I think that the balance balls and the ball chairs can be really useful partly because they keep you balancing and rebalancing all the time that even in, even when you're thinking you're still you're it's helping your muscles recover and recuperate so you're not just able to use one set of muscles all the time so by balancing on on one of those balls it really helps you from getting keeps you from getting stiff um the kneeling chair works for some people for, for other people, it doesn't work. Some people get cut off get cut off behind their um, thighs when they're in a kneeling chair, and then they kind of start to lose circulation in their legs. So I think people can um, play around and see what works for them. It, it's in, sometimes it's better to have it's useful to have a variety of chairs that you can alternate between um, things like that, so that you don't get stuck and you give yourself recuperation from one thing and by choosing something else. Mm-hmm. And in my own experience, and I actually got this idea from a book called The Chair by mm-hmm. Galen Krantz, who's a, an Alexander Technique teacher and professor of architecture at UC Berkeley. It's a wonderful book. I recommend it to anyone who is interested in sitting in chairs in general. And she recommends uh, sitting at a, uh, using a stool, which is uh, maybe one and a half times roughly higher than a, than a regular chair. And I've been doing that for years, and I find it incredibly comfortable. People look at it and say, how can you possibly sit on that? But in fact, once you get used to it, and for me it only took a couple of days, I would never sit at a desk, at a chair, at a desk if I had a choice again. Have you done any experimenting with that? I've done a little bit of experimenting with that. I actually like to sit on um, a cushion, a mm-hmm. pretty high cushion. So I'm sort of halfway between a regular chair and where you are, I think, mm-hmm. because I can keep my feet on the floor more easily that way, and it, it helps me stay stay more upright. Mm-hmm. And then I also feel like I can get up easier. It's like getting up to do something is is very simple. You know, once you're up a little bit higher. 
Mm-hmm. Did you have that experience too? Um, absolutely. I, the higher um, Galen, her point is that when your hips are higher than your knees, mm-hmm. which they generally are if you're sitting on a stool, uh, there's a kind of inherent um, little upward boost you get through your spine. It, 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 it's not the Alexander technique, but it's it kind of encourages an upward direction through your spine. Now, I've certainly found that to be the case, and a lot more mobility. I mean, I can sit on. Yeah. I'm sitting on a stool right now, and I can move all over the place, and I can move my legs in different places. I can put my feet on the floor. I can have them resting on a ring on the chair. I have an incredible amount of mobility. Mm-hmm. And I suppose if I really wanted to up the ante, I could put a little um, ball on top of the chair <laughs> so that it would just force me to be conscious of how I'm sitting. And I could see the, I could see the advantage of that. Um, I recently saw a photograph of an internet startup company where everyone was sitting on giant exercise balls. There was like a row of 20 people sitting on exercise balls. And I thought, well, that's that's an interesting change in the archaeology or the uh, structure, let's say, of the workplace. And um, yeah. So do you have any other um, any other specific thoughts or suggestions before we we bring the interview to a close? Well, I would just encourage people to really consider how much paying attention to themselves even a little bit can be useful and that, you know, this consciousness and this awareness and just a little bit of that and and just giving yourself the idea that you can change and you can do things more easily and more efficiently. Like check to see how, how hard you're pounding your keys with your fingers. Like mm-hmm. how lightly can you touch the keyboard and still have the, the letter appear on the screen? Like take some time to just adjust, you know, certainly after the whole environment is optimal, how much you can change yourself in the situation you're in. And, and then go have an Alexander lesson and see what, what that tells you. Yeah, you might also want to check when you're using a mouse, just how much work are you using to use the mouse? And mouses are usually designed to require very little uh, pressure or gripping. But if you have a a gripping tendency, maybe from learning how to write in third or fourth grade with a pencil and tending to grip things when you're holding them, you might be amazed to discover that you're putting a lot of extra work into something as simple as moving a mouse around on a, on a, on a pad. Yeah, and I, I, the mice, the mouse, the Mises thing <laughs> yeah. is really interesting because a lot of people try to push into the table mm-hmm. when in fact it's moving on a horizontal plane. And mm-hmm. when, you, when you hook into the fact that you're just moving it sideways or up and down, or in a circle, it makes a huge difference in the amount of force that's required, usually a lot less than people are using. Mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe the takeaway message from this, this interview, if, if at all possible, if, you're, if you spend a lot of time sitting, um, in some ways you're putting demands on your body that are, that are pretty extraordinary because I don't think, um, in a sense, that we're designed to sit for long periods of time in a static position. I think that requires to be able to sit for a long period of time and not harm yourself for most of us is going to require a bit of training. And 
the Alexander technique, certainly for my money, is is probably the most effective training in that you can get. And it doesn't require you to really take time off from what you're doing. I mean, you can apply the ideas you'll learn in an Alexander lesson uh, to to your to your work without in any way uh, uh, taking you away from the work itself. I think and that that's I an think, important thing to to. Yeah, make that's clear a huge to thing to mention. It's not like you go to your Alexander technique for ten minutes and then you come back to work. It's something that can permeate your workspace and environment all the time. And in fact, that's that's the best use of the work. Mm-hmm. Or you might take a split second, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. to come back to yourself. But in terms of if if you're thinking in terms of efficient of sort of your efficiency of your work and the ability to do it well, um, I think I think most people who've had Alexander lessons would say um, it's it's made a huge improvement. And um, even if they do take a little split second here or there to come back to themselves. Mm-hmm. So and maybe this would be a good place to end the interview unless there's a final thought you'd like to share with our listeners. I just think just go for it and and, and uh, build your awareness. <laughs> right, and and I guess I would also say you know ergonomics is fine, but it's only part of the solution, and it it does tend not to deal with how we organize ourselves. It tends to deal pretty much with external stuff, which can be very important. You certainly want to have your computer screen in a in an in a relationship with your eyes that's not going to put undue strain on on you but but that alone is not likely to solve all of the problems so investigate the alexander technique if if you're in the new york area contact ann um and we'll put a link to uh her website next to the interview um and if you're anywhere else um you can we'll put a link to a website where you can locate a teacher anywhere in the, in the world. So Anne, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me.